Welcome into the 28th episode of the Gump Runners Podcast, the home of your 2021 SEC tournament and regular season Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team. Chase Thornton here with Lester Mitchell, another special guest from Landon Beeman. We appreciate him joining us again on this uh, tournament, tournament NCAA tournament preview of the Gump Runners Podcast. Um, you know, we uh, we recorded after the Mississippi State game prior to the Tennessee and LSU game, the last two games of the SEC tournament. So we're just going to start with the Tennessee game. We're not going to spend too much time on it because, you know, we want to get into this this uh, NCAA tournament bracket prediction and, and break down things like that, see how far Alabama can go, see if they can make a run. But, uh, you know, Lester, it's always good to beat the balls. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It's always good to beat Tennessee. And, um, you know, Alabama did it. A little bit uncharacteristically, you know, they didn't really light it up from downtown. They uh, played great defensively. Tennessee scored under 30 points in the second half. Um, then in the second half, Alabama only had like five turnovers. They hit some big threes down the stretch. Keon Ellis and uh, Alex Reese hit some big threes in the last couple of minutes of the game, but didn't shoot that great overall. Just talk about this game and how able how Alabama was able to find a way to get past Tennessee in round two. They found a way via defense. That was, golly, that was an ugly game. Um, listen to these numbers right here from the starters. You have three points. Herb had 21, but then you had seven, two, and nine. Those are from your starters. Now, Quinley came in and had a great game off the bench. Um, I'm so glad that guys found his groove and found his role on the team. But as a whole, Bama was – 37% field goal percentage and 25% from three. God, you can, I, thank God that, you know, they play outstanding defense because they were stifling in the second half. But that was as about as ugly of a game as Alabama could play, as we've seen this year. But they, they, once again, these guys found a way to, um, to win the game. So I'm glad it happened. I hope they live and learned. Um, because games like that will get your tail beat quickly in the tournament. But, you know, they play great defense, they survived, they won, and eventually became conference champions. But they just can't have a performance like that against this team wants to have great aspirations in the tournament. Yeah, we, we've talked over the last couple of weeks about how when Alabama underperforms from the three-point line, they've been winning games, sure, but they've been against these the bottom half of the SEC. And granted, Tennessee's not elite. But, you know, they showed up against Florida, and they beat Florida. Of course, Florida almost lost to Vanderbilt um, in, their, in their first round of the tournament. But um, Tennessee did show up. They played better than they had played in weeks. It seemed like, you know, down the stretch, mid to late February, they were really struggling um, offensively. And, uh, and so, I mean, they weren't elite, but I think they were a good team. And um, so Alabama really had the ball up on the defensive end of the floor. Um, Landon, you know, Alabama shoots like ass. They still win. Um, you know, what, what do you think was a, a turning point? Kind of, you know, Alabama was down 15 in the second half of that game, comes back and wins by five. You know, made like I said, made some big threes, made some free throws at the end um, to win and cover. So uh, what, what do you think was a turning point in this game against Tennessee? I think one of the biggest things that I noticed going back watching the game was just the amount of offensive boards and second chance points Alabama was able to get. I mean, there was at one point we were down, like you said, like I think it was 48 to 33, something like that. And we just went on like a 14, 15 0 run 
And it was just Herb Jones, you know, finished the game with six offensive boards. Like, just pure – just this team just has a lot of will. A lot of will, a lot of, a lot of like, when you watch a basketball team play, whether it be college or NBA, and, you know, you're just like, man, that team won't die. And that's Alabama when I watched them against Tennessee. Alabama would not die. They just kept fighting and kept fighting. I mean, finished the game 16 of 19 from the free throw line. You can't ask for much better than that. Like I said, 16 offensive boards, 10 steals, four blocks. I mean, we just played a really, really good defensive game and, and held Tennessee to 28 total points in the second half. I think, uh, yeah, um, you know, the big four that I talked about last week, which is Q, Shaq, Petty, and Herb, you know, I, I told everybody they're going to take, you know, if not over half and almost half of our total shots. Um, you know, they were combined 18 out of 48 from the field. You know, that's only 38%, not great at all. And so they struggled. Alabama got some big bench points um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, some timely shots. And and I, th I think the biggest thing in this game was uh, – was, you know, in the first half, I, I, and I could see it. I was texting y'all. I could see it within the first five minutes. Um, Alabama gets called for three just horrible offensive fouls. Um, so you obviously knew, it's obvious right then, that the refs have a quick whistle regarding that foul call. If you extend or any kind or if the defender falls back a little bit, maybe whether it's a flop or not, they're going to call an offensive foul. That, that's, that, that's, you know, that was – it was easy to see and easy to figure out early in the game. For some reason, Alabama didn't figure it out until halftime. Then they come in, they make the adjustment at halftime. All of a sudden, Alabama comes out and they get, you know, Tennessee has three or four offensive fouls called on them. And then all of a sudden, Alabama's in the bonus with like 12 minutes to go. They're shooting free throws for the last 12 minutes of the game. I thought that was huge. And, you know, of course, you don't want the rest to determine an outcome of a game because I think that's the worst possible thing that could happen because, you know, you want the better team to win. You don't want one team to win just because they shoot 40 free throws to the other team's 10 or whatever the case may be. But I thought that was just a case of, hey, you know, if you're going to call it like this, we're going we're gonna to play to, you know, we're going to make that our strength. We're going we're gonna to try to do a little flopping, do a little acting or whatever because if you're going to call it, you know, we might as well accept it. If we're getting called for him, might as well turn that around. And uh, we did a better job offensively in the second half of not getting any charges called on us. And we did a really good job of drawing some charges and, you know, I think shooting free throws for over half the, uh, over half the second half, it was really big for us. But um, yeah, Alabama taking down Tennessee, you know, you can only celebrate it for a couple of hours because you turn around. LSU upsets Arkansas. A lot of people thought Arkansas would win that game but uh, LSU was able, able to come out on top. They're playing. It's the fourth matchup of Trenton Watford's career against Alabama. It's the third matchup of the year. You know, it's hard enough to beat a team twice in a year. I mean, it's borderline impossible to beat a team three times in one year. And uh, the, LSU, the LSU win was just, it was just phenomenal. You know, the thing about Alabama, great teams close out games. It's something that you haven't seen from Alabama basketball in what feels like decades, but this team did a tremendous job the last two games of the SEC tournament of closing out close games and making shots when they needed to. And, you know, like I said, finishing the game and, um, and not letting it slip out of their fingers. Um, Lester, talk about this LSU game, what you were able to see. Um, we know Trenton Watford went off, but, 
you know, despite that, tell me some good things about what happened in this game that allowed Alabama to eventually come out on top. Is Lester there? Landon, you there? Yeah, I'm right here, man. <laughs> some, some I, oh, I was on mute. I was going on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Start over. You go. You yeah. do you. Yeah, they they did all the things that they were supposed to do. All the dirty things. Um, they rebounded. Um, made their free throws. Like these guys, they. I don't know, man. It's. It's it's. They almost let it slip away because of Watford and LSU actually outscored Bama in the second half. I mean, when you have a guy that's on like that, it seems like they didn't have a plan for him. Um, but they got it done. I mean, they started out on fire, which was awesome. It was, it was great in the arena. And they kind of lost it a little bit. But I don't know. I, it's just so much to say. I'm just so glad they won. I mean, what an exciting game. What a great game to play. Um, they didn't shoot as well as they could have from three, um, only 33%. We talked about that 35%. We kind of want them in that area, but they they did it. They got it done, man. First time in I don't know how many years, but it was just an awesome game. Yeah, almost. You yeah. were not born. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just insane. I'm glad I was there to uh, witness it, but. Credit to Oates, credit to the team that stab Hobson, Petway. You know, those guys deserve it. Yeah, uh, you know, since you were there, we'll stay with you real quick. What, what was uh, what was the atmosphere like? How far how far away? Because it looked like not, not just you guys, but it looked like everybody was far away from the floor. So how how high up was the closest seat? Was it like row 10, 15? How, how, how close were even the, fir- the front row guys able to get to the floor? Yeah, um, well, the, the arena is built for hockey, so you're kind of already away from the floor. Then they already have people spaced out anyway because of COVID. But, I mean, there were people on the first, second, third row of the bottom floor. But because the place is built for hockey, it's just so much flat space you had to cover before you got to that first row of fans in the seat. So, in the seat. So, I mean, there were people – as close as they can get to the floor, but, you know, due to how the, the place was set up, um, yeah, it was uh, – they were farther back from the floor. But it was good. It was a ton of Bama fans. It may have, it may have been 80-20, maybe 90-10 Bama fans. I mean, when Bama had the ball, when Bama was going, it was loud. When Wofford had the ball, Bama fans, they were booing them. It was loud. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a really good atmosphere. Yeah, Chris Stewart said something about that 80-20 or maybe 70-30 mark as well. And uh, you could definitely tell, you know, when, when Trenton Watford scored every one of his 30 points, you know, you didn't really hear a lot of cl- a crowd reaction except for some booing. But, um, you know, Landon, as, as a basketball fan, for a team that you are rooting for, not just, you know, an NBA, you know, Lakers versus Warriors West Coast game that you watch when you're going to bed, do you enjoy – these back and forth kind of games, or would you rather see a blowout? Like, would you rather watch a game like LSU where, you know, you could win it or lose it, but at least you're interested for the full 40 minutes? Or do you like a game like Mississippi State where the game's over eight, 10 minutes into the game? You don't really have to watch it that closely. You can watch it every now and then, just kind of check on it. And uh, 
you end up winning by 20, 25. What kind, what kind of what kind of matchup do you like when you're watching basketball? Well, I mean, when it's my own team and I'm pulling for them, I like every game to be a blowout. I like every game to be completely disinterested as possible. Now, if I'm a casual fan and I'm not watching my team play, I like the first alternative of how it goes back and forth and it's the greatest thing in the world to watch, which is – and that's what the Alabama-LSU game was. It was a it was a great basketball game. It really was between two two good teams, and I I was just on my seat the entire time watching it. And, you know, it was just a great game, especially, you know, watching future NBA star and like Cam Thomas out there just chunking up three-pointers from Texas that are I think are still being made. And then Herb Jones just having his 13 points, 11 boards, six assists, four blocks. I mean, just doing it all for the team and just, just you know, the roller coaster of emotions of how the game went. And it was truly just a great performance from Alabama. And, and it was even a good performance from LSU. You know, hats off to those guys. They really played a hell of a game. I mean, there was LSU taking 74 shots. It's uncharacteristic of LSU. They don't like – they don't necessarily play that style where, you know, Alabama taking 76 shots. I mean, we're right we're right here how we like to play ball. They just kept kept in it, and Wadford, you know, usually doesn't do too well when he plays Alabama. But this game, I can honestly say he made up for lost time because he was – anything anything between five, seven foot of the bucket, he was getting it. Back back to sound, it didn't matter who was on him. Herb, Jawan Gary, Alex Reese, Bruner, it did it didn't matter. He was getting he was getting his and and but it was a very good game and I'm so so thrilled Alabama managed to pull the Tennessee game out the way they did along with the LSU games. They were both very roller coaster of emotion type games. Yeah, it, it seemed in this game that Alabama just couldn't pull away. And um, you know, that's credit to LSU. They start the game on an eight-nothing run. You know, you're thinking if you could stretch this thing out to whatever, 17 to six or, you know, 17 to seven, 20 to 20 to eight, 20, you know, whatever, and just kind of keep it there and then just play with them the rest of the game. It's not easy to do. I know basketball is a game of runs as that's really what it is. No team's ever out of it with the, with the way that everybody shoots a three point shot nowadays, but you know, Alabama gets up eight to nothing. And then Cameron Thomas, like you said, like you said, shooting the three pointers from Texas and one of them like sticks off the back of the rim and just kind of rolls into the hoop from 28 feet. And then they got guys banking in threes. And I'm just like, man, you know, Alabama just seemed to, they just couldn't catch a break. Then LSU took the lead for a while. They never, they never got to double digits. And then, you know, late in the second half, Alabama gets up eight, nine points. And then Javante Smart hits back to back threes. And it just, they can never just, just put them away. And that's a credit to LSU. Like I said, but and that's you know what I said earlier about great teams being able to finish and close close out games. This is a big a big game for Alabama because they haven't necessarily had to do this against a good team. Um, you know the Missouri game they're just kind of scrambling all over all over the court just trying to throw stuff up and, and come back and they didn't really have these back and forth games a lot. You know Arkansas with the free throw disparity in that game. That was kind of a blowout into being 15 points. And so, and in the games Alabama's won, you know, whether against bad teams or whatever, but they haven't played a good team back and forth like this in a while. And, um, you know, once again, I don't think LSU's elite. I mean, they grabbed an eight seed in the tournament. That's, 
I mean, it's okay. You know, you, you, they're not a four or a five, but um, you just, you, you saw, it really helped Alabama because now they know as a player, you know, Hey, you know, we can make big shots. I'm not going to be scared of that big shot. If I get one in the tournament, I'm not going to be scared to, to shoot the free throws with the game on the line. You know, I'm not going to be scared to be the on ball defender whenever the game's on the line. I think that's big because, you know, Keon Ellis had a big block on Javante Smart before the, uh, before LSU's last possession, you know, her being up the way he did. And, and it's just, everybody made plays when they need to. And I think that was huge, but, you know, Lester, let me ask you this officiating in this game, I think it was huge because with the aggressiveness that Alabama plays with on defense, don't you agree that not going to say they need help from the refs, but that's kind of what it is. If you think about it, I mean, there were 28 total fouls called, you know, combined for both teams in the whole game in the sec championship. I mean, you know, you compare that to some of these refs that like to call 40, 50 fouls a game and, you know, if that kind of leans one way towards a certain team, you're really kind of just sunk. You know, you look at the Arkansas game, for example. I mean, I'm not making excuses for Alabama, but when the other team shoots 43 free throws, you're eight. That's saying something. And the way Alabama plays defense, do you, do you agree with letting the kids play? Or do you think that, you know, I mean, do you think, like, let's say the SEC game, SEC championship, for example, do you agree with the way that game was officiated or, or do you think there should have been more whistles blown? I, I, I agree with the game. I, I agree with the way that the game was um, officiated. Um, these are college kids. They're not perfect. They're not going to be perfect. And I'm a big believer in just having a flow of the game. And to, to a degree, let them play. Unless, I mean, it's not like they're, unless somebody's out there getting tackled or, you know, slapped on the shooting elbow or something, let them play. Let let us an established flow of the game happen. And that benefits Alabama to a degree. Um I know before the game, people were texting, they were asking about who the refs are, you know, yada yada yada. You know, already getting bad vibes going into the game regarding the refs. But, you know, I I, I had no complaints with the way that the game was officiated. I feel Felt like there were some calls missed. Of course, there's calls missed on both sides. An LSU, an LSU fan would agree, but I have no complaints about how the game was officiated. I liked it. Let the guys play. Nobody wants to see a game where the refs take up the game. The best games are the ones where you don't know that the refs are even there. You know, if a foul is called and it's rightfully so, good, fine. Okay, I can live with that. But I hate the ticky-tack. Let's blow the rev. Let's blow the whistle 50 times a game. Let's make the game two and a half hours long. Like, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. I was, I, I can't complain about the refs at all. And the, I'll say this, too. Win, lose, or draw, I would not have a, a single complaint about the refs. Landon, what, what's your uh, opinion on that topic? I mean, you know, you got Doug Shouse officiating the, uh, the Arkansas game when Alabama goes over there and gets – you know, all these fouls called on him. And then, you know, you hear about him and Pat Adams uh, ref in the, the championship game, and you immediately think there's going to be a lot of fouls called, and there's just not. What do you think the difference is? Because, I mean, there was bodies colliding on every possession in the Alabama-LSU game. And against Arkansas, those were fouls. What's the difference? What Do you, do you think that the league is saying something to them or maybe the, the refereeing committee? What, what do you think it is? What changed in that time span for, like, a guy like Doug Shouse? 
Well, I think I think after the Arkansas game, I think I think there was a lot of maybe higher ups, possibly maybe some coaches, maybe even our own coach may have said something to the SEC commissioner about it. Because, like, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it, it was obviously our team, Alabama, we support. But if any team has a free throw disparity of 43 to eight, man, that's just not fun basketball, win or lose. I mean, that's just no one wants to see that because you don't you don't let the game flow. You let the ref dictate the game, and that's not fun. And that, like Lester said, this game against LSU, the refs never dictated the game. There was, it was just because if you let Trenton Watford, Trenton Watford got almost all thirty points, excluding the one three pointer he made from five to seven seven feet from the basket. That's where he got all of his all of his points from, just two point little buckets. And if he would have got the same crew we got at Arkan uh, against Arkansas, Trent Watford may have shot forty three free throws by himself. 60. Yeah, he'd have gone. Pete yeah, <laughs> yeah, he may have had forty three free throws by him by himself. Though just the just his style of play and how he played the game. So I think it was great that how that was officiated. I hope I wish all basketball games were like that because I think it's a lot more fun than a whistle. Uh, and also I. I don't know if y'all touched on this, but I actually like where they don't they didn't call a traveling call every time someone took a jab step. That's always been something that that grinds on me. It's like anytime someone takes a jab step, it's like whistle traveling call. And I don't know, and it's not even a travel. It's like they just they just think it is, so they go ahead and just throw it out there. And it's it's just one of those things that's always grinding on me. I had to bring that up. Well, it's the fact that these kids are in college, they played basketball for you know, 15 years, a lot, a lot of them. I mean, they started playing basketball when they're three, four years old. They learned the rules by the time they were seven or eight. Um, they've been dealing with the traveling calls since they were nine, 10, 11 years old. So, I mean, these kids, they know what traveling is. And yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, you get caught up and you see a, an obvious traveling call. And I'm not saying make it like the NBA where a guy can just take the ball and start walking five or six steps and you don't call anything. But yeah, like you said, the little jab steps or whatever, I mean, it's like they're expecting the, their, the player to wait until the ref's eyes are on him. You know, as soon as he gets the ball, like, wait, okay, now I'm watching. Now you can do your jab step, but they catch that ball and they give a quick jab and then they put the ball on the floor real quick and their feet are moving the whole time it's not a travel. Whenever you slow it down, it's not a travel. And, um, and yeah, there, there, there are crews out there that will call that five, six times a game. And it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, if you want to call that at, at the high school level, go ahead. But these college kids, they know what they're doing. I mean, they work on that move thousands of times. Like, you know, they're, they're doing that because, that's what they do in practice. That's what they were taught to do. They're like, hey, this will be a good move for you. Little jab step, get the guy leaning, go the other way, step back, whatever it is. And so they're taught to do that. Their coach isn't going to teach them to travel. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, refereeing in the tournament can really help Alabama uh, because Alabama's very aggressive. They're very handsy on defense. Um, they play a very aggressive style. And um, so you definitely want a crew that uh, that will that will that will let them play a little bit more than others. But um, Landon, let, let me ask you, what do you what do you think about Trenton Watford? Uh, just just tell me what you think about him. I want to know. Well, I'm be honest with you. Before the game against Alabama, I have always questioned why Trenton Watford was a five star prospect. 
I, I've never, I've never fell in love with a guy defensively. I've never fell in love with his ball skills. Definitely not his jump shot. Uh, yeah, he can penetrate the lane a little bit. I mean, I'm be honest with you, I've always questioned why Alabama necessarily necessarily recruited Trenton Watford because I don't know if Trenton Watford's style of play would go with how we played the game. Now, I now granted, I think we could develop him. Don't misunderstand me, but before. Before this game, this SEC championship, I did not really understand why Watford was rated so high and was so regarded because of, of, of all the times I've watched him. He's never really impressed me. But this game, this SEC championship, he brought it. He, if that guy showed up every every game, I completely get the justification of the ranking, the NBA potential, everything. But the problem is that Trenton Walker doesn't show up every game. Do you uh, do you agree with, I guess, let's say his antics toward Alabama? I mean, it seems like him and Herb Jones for two years have been just going at it. And, uh, you know, Trendon probably does a little bit more extra, you know, whether it's a little shove here or there after the whistle or heading to the, heading to the bench during the timeout or, you know, a little bit more John, whatever it is. It seems like Trendon does a little bit more to Herb than Herb does back. And um, Herb is really, I mean – he still played a great game Sunday. I mean, you know, Trenton didn't dominate, I would say. I mean, he dominated offensively, but Herb had a, had an all-around stat line that was, you know, I'll take Herb. Let me just say that. But um, Sure. Yeah, so what, what do you think about just the way he acts and the whole situation? with? And I know that Nate Oates had just taken the job at Alabama, but that was his main priority was, well, to get Petty back and, um, and Kyra. But – uh you know, he, he flies down there to see Trenton Watford. He meets with him. He recruits him hard. And um, it seemed like the check was already cashed or deposited, so to speak, uh, for Trenton, and he was going to LSU. So, you know, say, you know, he took money or whatever. He got a strong-ass offer. He sold out, went to LSU. You know, he thought about how he grew up a Bama fan. His coach is a huge Bama guy. Um, and then he goes one and four against Alabama over two years. Just, I mean, talk about what you, what you think about that whole situation. Well, I mean, I think it's a little tic tac about how he acts on the court. You know, like he finally had a good game against Alabama, and this man, you know, walking around, like flexing his chest out. Like I know like there was a couple times I saw him, like, taunting Alex Reese and stuff like that. Like, okay, congratulations, man. You just whipped Alex Reese on defense. Welcome to the other 100 basketball players that have done that uh, throughout his career. Awesome. So, and then, you know, there's rumors going around that, I think the last game at home he played against Alabama and Tuscaloosa, his mom supposedly was at the game, flicked off the student section. Just, you know, just a bunch of little petty shit because, you know, Alabama boo, like our student section, I guess, will boo him every time he gets the ball. Well, I mean, man, what do you expect from Birmingham, Alabama, and you go to LSU to play basketball and you're one and four against us. So, like, did you really even make the right decision at all? I mean, probably not. You just took a strong-ass offer. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a situation where he could have gone to he could have gone to Alabama State and played two years and still gotten drafted. He'll be drafted high this year. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a really good basketball player. But uh, Lester, is this kind of how LSU feels in football? Because you know you got one guy grew up a Bama guy, um, and then he takes off for LSU, a guy who's in your own division. You play him twice a year, and I know he's not going to stay for four or five years like football players do. But is this how LSU football fans feel whenever? Nick Saban goes into Baton Rouge and takes like two or three five stars every year. Yeah, I guess so. Except the guys that we get from Louisiana, Cam Robinson, uh, 
Layden Collins, Smitty, they just beat the dog crap out of LSU. I mean, <laughs> we, we it, would be, a, it would be it would be it Louisiana. Right. It it'll be a perfect <laughs> analogy if Trendon went five and zero against Bama his career. But and dropped thirty every opposite. game. Right. It is. This is not a transitive equation here. Alabama completely dominates that side of the equation. It does not work for the Alabama guy to go down to Louisiana. It doesn't work that way. It works the other way. But um, yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, he made his decision. So be it. Alabama moved on. But I tell you one thing. I would love for that guy to be on my team. Uh, dude's a hell of a ball player. He's a big body. He is somebody that, that this team would desperately need. Um, but it is well, what yeah, it is. Well, yeah, definitely him over James Rojas. I mean, he gave us fits, bro. There was nobody who could guard him. Six nine two forty. There is not a None. body on this team, and this is going to tie into a, a later point about Bama in the playoffs. But if we face a bigger team, Alabama will struggle. I will say it. I love Nate Oates with all my heart. But, yep. bro, we have got to get a dominant post threat. Bruner can live on the three-point line and shoot the three all he wants to. But there's no reason why that guy, you can't tell me he can't post up somebody. Instead of having five out, do four in. I mean, four out, one in. Come on now. I, I, I love this style of basketball, but Shaq is my favorite. Favorite ball player, and there's nothing better than having a dominant big man in the post. Yes. Nothing at all, because that's what LSU had, and it damn near cost us the game. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if we face a bigger team in the tournament, Alabama's going to struggle. They just are because we don't we don't have an answer for it. Bruner you, soft you know, you still got as baby on, crap. Lester, you still got help on the way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like on the way. I'm talking about this year, though, bro. I know, I know. But what I'm what I'm saying is, like, you talk about the post guy, and yeah, Bruner. He's from Yale. I mean, he's an Ivy League guy. Right. Nobody, right. nobody expected him to come into the SEC and and just play bully ball like a bill would do at Mississippi State. I mean, nobody expected that. He's a finesse. He was a finesse player in the Ivy League, so he's going to come into the SEC and he's going to be a finesse player. That's why Nate Oates wanted him because of his three point shot because he knew none of his other bigs had it. That's why he ran off. Galen Smith and Javion Davis. Um, but, you know, I, we, you can go back to Alex Chiku going down. I mean, right, and right. wouldn't, they wouldn't get any minutes if Chiku was there. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got Charles Bediaco, whatever his name is. If he, if he commits, I mean, you know, next year you're looking at Chiku and you're looking at uh, and Bediaco and, and <clears throat> uh, Langston Wilson. Ambrose. At 6'9". Who? No. Yes. Yes, Keon Ambrose. Maybe Giannis. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, you know, next year, if those guys are healthy, James Rojas isn't going to see the floor. So, you know, he's just – he's kind of like – Well, I mean, guy. if Oates if Oates lands Watford, you know, we don't have – James Rojas is not even on this team. That's what I'm saying. I mean, let's, yeah. let's be honest. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and, and maybe, you know, Bruner's, Bruner might not be either. Uh, if you think – I, I don't really know. I, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to tell. It's hard to say. But – um. You know, there, there is no post presence right now, but, you know, you got help on the way. You got a guy with the Rocher Achilles over there um, that's 6'11". You know, you got a high school guy that's 6'11". You got another 6'9 guy that's a Juco player coming in. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, he's already, you know, more physically ready to, to play in the SEC. 
and, and Langston Wilson. So, I mean, you know, you've got help. But, yeah, this year Alabama may struggle against a bigger team. Like Lester said, we'll talk about this later. We're going to get into the tournament here in a minute. But you look at DeAndre Ayton. I mean, the guy that, that took money to go to Arizona. The, but the, the best big man in, um, in college basketball that year. Landon, do you know if he went first overall? Uh, he either went first or second uh, yeah. and, to and, the Suns that year. And Oates took a Buffalo team in there in the tournament. Their biggest guy was 6'9", and just whooped his ass because he couldn't get up and down the floor. And so as much of a liability as it is on defense in the post – you're just as much as, a, you know, if not a bigger liability because you can't get your big ass down the court. You know, as dominant as Shaq was, he couldn't play in this day and age. He, he, he couldn't do it. I mean, it's dominant. As he oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, number one, he was just – he would be called for 100 offensive fouls per possession because he was just such a force down there. And <laughs> so uh, – and, and he just – he couldn't run the floor. And so, you know, these big guys in the Big Ten – you know, I, I look at Mississippi State with that Abdullah Do. I mean, as good as he was against Kentucky, he was like seven out of seven in the paint. He had 14 points at halftime. Then against Alabama, just absolutely nothing because you space him out. Mm-hmm. And not only, you know, when you're on offense, it takes away his rebounding too. If Bruner is on the arc and you still got her Petty and Shat, the way the guards, the way our guards crash the boards, I think that's huge. And it can really take a big man out of the game when you take him out of the paint. Um, because he can't crash as easy because there's more traffic. And then, you know, if he goes over somebody's back, it's a lot more obvious. You know, if, a, if you got 6'11 guy going over Shaq's back, it's a little bit more obvious maybe Shaq can get a call. But um, anyway, uh, congratulations, Alabama, winning the SEC tournament. Uh, Lester, you know, we, we talked about what it would take for Alabama to win the tournament. We talked about shooting your averages. Um, just talk about how special it was. And now, let me ask you this. We, t- we talked about this on a couple of, of, of uh, episodes of this podcast, but now that you've had both, which one would you rather win? Would you rather win the regular season championship or the tournament championship in the SEC? Um, I think that the regular season probably means a little bit more. Well, I don't know if it means more. I, I, I think it's a little bit more special. Um, because there's no doubt in my mind that Alabama's the best team in the SEC. But, you know, a team can get hot for three games and win it. You know what I mean? But to win the regular season championship, you, you've had to beat teams in conference, all over the conference, all year, and and produce a good enough schedule to be the regular season champions. Um, I think regular season is really cool because, like I said, you know, any team can get hot. Um Tennessee could have got hot and won. Florida could have got hot and won. Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky, I think a couple of Bama fans were a little bit nervous uh, if they would have had to play Kentucky. Yeah, Chase. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like that regular season a lot. The SC Championship, um, winning that tournament was really, really fun. But, you know, doing it over the course of a season um, is, is really special. Yeah, I, I think it means more to win a regular season championship because you've got to play good ball – for two months and um i think that's a lot harder to do because you got guys getting tired you got guys getting hurt alabama had to you know herb was banged up bruner was banged up primo was banged up for a couple of games um quinterly started out in the funk then he found it i mean you know you got great storylines throughout the entire regular season sec schedule for alabama and um and usually you know whoever wins it 
But um, I definitely think the tournament was more fun. And that's just because, you know, you play a Saturday game and then you wake up on Sunday during the regular season. And you're like, damn, we don't play for another three days, four days, whether you, depending on whether you got a Tuesday or Wednesday game. You know, you play that Tuesday game, you wake up on Wednesday morning, you're like, damn, I don't, I don't get to watch us play for another four days. You know, that sucks. And so, you know, we play Friday, and then all of a sudden you wake up, and you're like, oh, man, we play at noon. That's what I'm talking about. And then you win Saturday at noon, you wake up Sunday, we get to do it again. Landon, which one is more important? Not more important, but which one did you, would you, did you enjoy more? Do you enjoy the regular season championship, that two-month period, or did you enjoy the, uh, the three games in the tournament? Uh, probably, well, the, for, well, the one that means more to me is definitely the regular season for just because the points y'all made. I mean, it's, it's so much harder for you to go on the road, win games, come back home, travel and all that. And then you play every team in the conference and then you can say, all right, we're regular season champs. But then you got the tournament where like Lester said, any team can get hot for three days. Any team can do that. Whether it be a seven, eight, a 10 seed, you know, they can get hot for three days. And, the, but the thing is, with the tournament, though, it is more exciting because of just how it unfolds. You know, like you play Mississippi State, you beat the hell out of them. And then all of a sudden you play a Tennessee team who seemed in the first half they were making every shot known to man and couldn't miss anything. And then, you know, you come out and you just shut them down second half and you win. And then you go to a nail-biter of a hell of a game between LSU and you win. And when it's all over, it's just like, wow, like we just did that. And it's like – it is like a, it's like a, I guess the tournament is more of an adrenaline rush, and when it ends, it's like, holy shit, we just won that thing, and it's like it's a lot more exciting. But I would definitely rather still have the the regular season championship. Now that the the confetti has fallen and settled, um, everybody's gotten their pictures taken. <clears throat> excuse me, with the SEC championship trophy, the team has moved on to Indianapolis. They passed their second round of COVID testing. They're clear to start practicing, having meetings. Um, let's get into some NCAA tournament talk. And number one, it was so nice just to, to not be biting the hell out of my fingernails and hanging on the edge of my seat during the selection show to find out if we're going to be in or not. It was so nice to be like, oh, okay, you know, they got a – they got Iona. That, that, that's cool. You know, I mean, I didn't even watch it. I, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't even watch the selection show because uh, I, I knew we were going to be in. I didn't, I didn't have to watch it, and it's nice to, to be able to do that. But um, talk about Alabama's first-round matchup with Iona. Um, me, personally, I'm not expecting this to be a close game. Lester, give me a, a quick little breakdown of what you think is going to happen in round one for Alabama. Yeah, uh, I think that, um, first of all, Vegas has this as a 17-point spread. 17. Uh, 17 points, my guy. Um, yeah, that's that's a big one. Um, I've I, going into the SEC tournament, and after they played and beat Miss State, like Alabama came out on fire and just dominated the entire game. And one of the reasons I said that is because they were all for almost a week, they were rested, you know. And I think that, that that same factor is going to come into this Iona game. Um, after the game, after the win against LSU Sunday, Alabama, they went straight up to Indy, you know, get to the hotel, get quarantined, got to do all that jazz or whatever. And I think they're going to come out and just blow the doors off of Iona. Go ahead, get it out the way, 
dominate, win, watch the ball go into the bucket and prepare for the next round. Um, the biggest key is just 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 win. Just don't get upset. I'll put it that way. Don't get upset for Alabama. But yeah, definitely go out. Um, start the game with great momentum. Just beat the crap out of these guys and Rick Patino. Um, and get a dub. Get out of there, get rested, get ready for whoever's next on the on the on the uh bracket. How crazy is it that you know Rick Patino was a guy that a lot of Bama fans wanted. And honestly, I ain't gonna lie, I did too. I mean, bro, yes, Steve Prime, yes, he sounded great. Oh, yeah, we all did. Archie Miller or whoever, uh, Thad Mata from Ohio State. And but Rick Patino, I was like, man, he served his time. <laughs> it's like you don't want to say it out loud, but you're like, man, even if you just got to cheat to get us a final four, and no, I'm just kidding, you don't want to sound like an Auburn fan, but uh. <laughs> Uh, Landon, you know, you're facing a guy like Rick Pitino. I don't expect this game to get to that 17-point mark. I think that's crazy to think Alabama will cover that number. But, you know, it's basketball. You never know. Um, but Rick Pitino, he's going to have his guys ready to go. He's, he's a great motivator. He's a good defensive coach. Uh, they get up and down the floor just like Alabama does. And, um, but they turn the ball over a hell of a lot. And I think that's 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 one thing that could be problematic. That's probably why you see the line so high is because Alabama's number two in the country in defensive efficiency, and Iona turns it over nearly 20 times a game. So, Landon, tell, tell me what, what you think is going to happen Saturday at, at uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse at 3 o'clock. Well, you know, look, just diving into Iona, man. I mean, they – you know, according to Ken Palm, they are one of the they are one of the lowest. Te- they're probably the lowest team Alabama has played all year in court tournament rankings. I mean, Alabama, the two worst opponents Alabama has played has been Jacksonville State and UNLV, and Iona ranks below them. And you know, I think everybody just sees Rick Pitino and you know freaks out. But I mean, you got to remember, Iona also missed a month due to COVID. The only reason they ended up making the tournament was because they ended up winning their winning the, their conference tournament. But, you know, in a normal year, these guys would have had four to six more losses against bigger, you know, non-conference teams. So they are by far, if you look at all the 15 seeds, they are by far the worst 15 seed in the tournament and the worst team we've played all year. Uh, very good uh, point guard and shooting guard. Point guard Isaiah Ross, really, really good. Averages 19 points a game, 89% free throw shooter. So if you see Isaiah Ross go to the line and even the shooting guard there, he's 82%. It's probably going to be a make at the free throw line. Which one's like, uh, like 45% from deep or something? And in there in one's like a support. Uh, Ryan Myers, 6'1 freshman. Play small, play small shooting guard, small forward. He, uh, he can, he can spray, but you know I mean? They, and they got some bigs too. I mean, they run a seven, one, they have a seven, one center, but the thing with a seven, one center is he only plays around like 13 minutes a game when they're when they're playing a team that plays fast like us because he just can't get up and down the floor. So we don't we may not really have to worry about him that much. I don't expect Alabama to cover 17 is a lot of points. Uh, I do I do expect us to win and win com- win comfortably. The biggest thing I want to see though I want to see us. Not foul, not foul them because we can't put them on the line. Because, like I said, you don't want an 89% free throw shooter on the free throw line, nor an 82% guy. Not what you want to do. And we really, like you said, we really got to do do a great job at forcing turnovers on them. I mean, they turn the ball over at a worse rate than Georgia 
And we all have seen George, how out of control Georgia plays turnovers. And when Alabama played Georgia, I think what both of us had like 22 turnovers apiece. It was something ridiculous like that. So I think we definitely need to go in there and and take care of business. Hopefully, I, I don't see us covering necessarily. I do see a comfortable win in that 14 to 15 you know point range in my opinion. But I I do think Alabama Alabama wins this game. You do. I think the biggest thing for Alabama in this in this first round matchup, you know, you're you're not you're not playing an inferior opponent because hell, I mean, you won your conference tournament. And this is what we talked about last year. I mean, this is what I, I've told y'all about for weeks, man. I said, you know, of course, this is before Alabama started great playing great basketball their last two or three games of the regular season, and then into the tournament. Um, you know, they were kind of squeaking by these these lackluster teams, so to speak. And I was like, man, I said, the last thing you want is to get a seating that you earned in January and you're not playing your best ball and you come in here and you get beat by a 14 or 15 seed that's hot because they just roll through their conference tournament. And this is a team that's like that. Yeah, they've only played, I think, 17 games. I think they're 12 and five. But, um, you know, they won their conference tournament for a reason. And these small schools are just teams that can just catch fire. And there's, you know, you can play great defense. You can have hands and faces. You can contest everything. And, uh you know, you got good free throw shooters, so you got to be careful not to foul. And then, you know, if they just start hitting shots, you just – you never know. I mean, you saw, you know, UNBC or whatever beat uh, the number one overall seed in Virginia a couple of years ago. So, anything can happen. I'm not expecting it to. But uh, this is just – you know, it's one of those teams that you just – you never know. But um, let's say Alabama gets past Iona, which I believe they will. Lester, what are some keys for Alabama – what, what, what's some things that they have to do, whether it's offensively or defensively, um, in order to make a run? Let's say to the Elite Eight, Final Four, you know, there's there's a lot of people, even national media, you know, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, talking about how they like Alabama. I think Jay Billis um, projected Alabama in either his Elite Eight or Final Four or something. But, um, you know, what does Alabama have to do? Let's just say offensively, because – we know they're going to be elite on the defensive end. We know that. They play an elite-style defense. They've done it for 30 games. So that defense is going to, it's going to, it's going to travel. So, But in order to, to make a run in the tournament, you got to have good guard play. you got to hit shots. We know that. What does this offense have to do in order to make a run to the Elite Eight or the Final Four? You hear that? Hold on, hold on, hold on one second. John Petty, wake up. Wake up. John Petty, hello. Where are you, John? I'm calling John I'm calling. Petty. I'm calling John I'm Petty. I'm calling. Come in, he, Come in, Mr. Petty. He ain't answered yet. I'm, I'm calling him. I'm calling him. John, brother, hello. Call- I, need, I need to talk to him because he went two for eight in the last game. He went 0 for three against LSU. He was two for eight against, against LSU. He had, he had four points. I'm concerned. He's missing. I'm about to put an APB out for the guy. Is it? Because we need him. Is it time we need him. For, is it time for Keon Ellis to take over his offensive production? Ooh. Because Ooh. Now, now, don't get me wrong. The, and see, the thing that's different about Petty this year, the last three years he's been here, if he's not playing, if he's not shooting the ball well, he's being shit on defense. That's right. what it is. It carries over. He has not let that affect him this year. He's I don't know if it's maturity or if Oates has gotten his ass in the offseason. Um, he's like, hey, look, you know, so he's still been a really good defender, even though he hasn't played um, 
even though he hadn't shot the ball his best the last four or five games, whatever it's been. Um, right. But yes, offensively, is it time for Keon Ellis to, to kind of take over, you know, instead of Petty shooting that shot, swing it over to Keon. It seems like, you know, when he shoots the ball, it goes in. And uh, whenever he's, hey, he's, starting to, he's starting to create a little bit off the drive. I mean, hey, there's enough ball to go around, man. I promise you. Keon, I'm I'm glad Keon has came on and to be this, you know, offensive guy. You know, he brings great intensity. He brings great defense to the floor. He's another key. He Keon is another key. We need Petty to be another key. We don't need to replace a key. We need to add more keys to the key ring. That's what needs to happen. You got Shaq. He can, he's going to get his points. Quinley, he's going to get his points. Herb, Herb's going to do his thing. Keon is coming on. Keon's going to do his thing. Petty, where is John Petty at, man? Where he's got to get out. I want I want the first three shots of the game to go to John Petty. Screen him, run a play, shoot a three. I don't care what it is. I need John Petty to see the ball, leave his fingertips, and go into the hoop. So you want John to Petty is going to be the key. You want him to go Alex Reese mode and just shoot that shit whenever he gets in his Yes, hands, yes. I agree with that. I, I have way more faith than John Petty doing that than I do Alex. Oh, yeah. I, I, Petty, Petty has got to get his shot. I don't I, – it's and Bama has won despite him. I mean, he was – now, mm-hmm. against Tennessee, he was three for 11, I think. Um, he was three for nine from three, whatever. He got his shots then, and then against – LSU, he went into a shell. Get your shots, bro. You, you're this. You're the dude for a reason. I mean, everybody's looking for you to score and shoot the three. But I think he gets a little gun shy if he feels like he's off. I don't know. I, it's kind of like Primo. Um, mm-hmm. and I hope Primo's you know healed healthily, healed healed healthily, and is able to come back and contribute. But you know we're gonna need Petty and Primo and and Bruner. I think Bruner's hobbled. I don't know what's going on with that guy. But he ain't he ain't normal. But definitely looks like Petty, he missed a step. We need him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bruner, yeah but... Bruner. I think Wadford had him that first. Uh, Wadford had him on an ISO and dude, first first step. Bruner looked lost and Oates immediately pulled him and put Reese in. It's like yeah, look, he's not like, healthy. I take a sip of beer and I look up and Wadford's at the rack. I'm like, holy hell, <laughs> he's not healthy. I mean, I, so but he's what we got. So yeah. But yeah, Petty, is, you know, Petty's my guy. The difference between Petty and Shaq is, you know, Lester, you made a good point. Yeah, when when, when Petty's not feeling it, when it's not right, when, when it doesn't feel right coming out of his hands, he'll stop shooting. He's not going to take 10, 12 threes or whatever. He might take five or six. Um, and he's not really going to take a lot of contested threes. He's going to make sure they're open and make sure he can get a clean look. Um, and so, you know, Shaq, he, he's going if he go, he might go one out of 20. He don't give a damn. He's going to keep shooting the hell out of it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it is what I don't agree with one style, you know, relative, relative to the other, you know, it's all about the player, you know, Petty might feel that, you know, cause the thing is as a shooter, you know, like, I mean, I've shot a lot of three pointers in my, in my, and, you know, back when I was in high school, pick up whatever. I know when I shoot the ball, the first two or three times I get it, I, I can feel it. It, it. You know, sometimes it just it's, it's hard to explain, you know, Lester, you're a golfer. It's kind of like your golf swing. You know, sometimes you can feel it. So something's not right. You know what I'm saying? And you, you can tell it early. And so as a shooter, you know, it just might not feel right coming off your, 
your, your fingertips, or you might not be all the way stretched out or, you know, something, you know, this is kind of unexplainable if you think about it, but you know, it's, it's a lot like a golf swing. Sometimes your back swing just doesn't feel right. You're not getting the torque you need to, you know, because a lot like hitting a golf ball, there's a lot, you know, you don't just throw it towards the basket and it go in, you know, your form as a shooter is very, very important. And if it's not replicated, then, you know, if something's just a little bit off, you know, just, just like, you know, if your backswing is a little bit too high and you're not getting flat enough, you know, it might have a completely different result whenever you make contact with the golf ball. Same way when you're shooting a basketball, you know, if you're, if you're just a little bit, you know, if you shoot from your top, the top right of your head and you're just a little bit more over towards the middle or a little bit outside, I mean, there's so many things that can cause that ball not to go in. There's a shooter, you know, and so Petty, he might be one of those guys to where, you know, it's just not feeling right. So I'm going to focus on defense and I'm going to work on maybe driving and dishing. And uh, but yeah, Shaq, Shaq don't give a damn. He'll shoot that some bitch. He'll go two out of 15 real quick. And to Petty's credit, you know, Petty played good defensively. Like he, he played good defensively against Tennessee and against LSU. Yeah, and, and that's he, what we're talking about. He didn't that's play why, bad defensively at all. Yeah, that's why we're not calling for him to be benched at all by any means. Because, and that's why I was talking about his maturity or whatever it is. Um, you know, this year, even though he's not making shots at times, he's he's brought his defensive energy every game um, since uh, SEC play started, since he got benched for the Eastern Tennessee game, whichever one it was, right before conference play. But, uh, yeah, since then, he, he, he's brought it on the defensive end. And uh, that's about all you can ask for whenever your shots aren't falling. Just turn into a Herb Jones, you know, for the last three years. Not a lot of offensive production, but play your ass off on defense. I'll take it. But uh, Landon, you know, this team, realistically, what do they have to do offensively in order to, to make it to the Elite Eight or Final Four? Well, I think we think we're just kind of discussing. I mean, we got to, first of all, Petty, Petty, you got to shoot. You got to shoot the ball. We discussed this a couple weeks ago on a podcast, man. I mean, you do you. It, it, John Petty, you are a shooter. Man, die. Die as a shooter. If you have to go one of 15, by all means, die with it. I mean, man, look, I mean, I'd, I'd rather you die with it than you sit there and play gunshot the entire, the entire game. I don't want to see that. And I think the biggest thing for Alabama is they go forward. You know, we're looking at a potential matchup between a winner of a UConn and Maryland, maybe a Texas or a BYU in a Sweet 16, potentially a Florida State or a Michigan in the Elite Eight. You know, I mean, you got to shoot the ball. Because when we run up against these teams like a Texas, maybe, or a Florida State with these athletic bigs down low, you got to run them out the gym and you got to run them out from the three. Because we're not going to go down there and bang with them. I mean, Bruner and Reese aren't going to go bang, bang with them and get two point buckets all day. It's not going to happen. You got to shoot the ball and you got you got to keep making threes. And like y'all said, you know, get around that 33, 38% range from three. That's all we need every game 33, 38% every game. And Alabama has a chance to beat anyone if we continue to do stuff, do stuff like that. I think there's there's two big things that Alabama has to do in order to make a run. Uh, <clears throat> number one is, you know, realistically, Alabama beat – Tennessee's a five seed. Is that right? Don't they play Georgetown? Uh, yeah, they play – oh, actually, they play Oregon State. Oregon State. Okay, look for the Beavers to win that game, by the way. Um because Tennessee, they just haven't really had a lot of consistency in the last month. And um, 
it's hard to judge a team off of two games they play in a tournament. And, you know, like, like we said, the second half of the Alabama game, they were just ass offensively, even though Alabama did play good defense. But, um, you know, they beat a, a five seed and an eight seed. LSU's an eight seed. That's who they beat in the SEC tournament. You know, I've talked about those averages. 36% from deep. Um, let's just – I'll round it down to 35%. 35% from deep. Um, 50% from two. And then I think it's 70 – oh, gosh, 72% from the stripe. I can't believe – I can't remember. Um, but those are your averages. And, I, and, I, and I've said, if you shoot your averages, this team cannot be beat. I don't care about Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State – I don't care how many big guys you got. I, I don't. I don't care, because if Alabama's going to fire up thirty to thirty-five threes, and they're going to make 13, 14 of them, doesn't matter. Uh, if they're if they're going to shoot, you know, whatever 40, 42 point shots and make twenty of them, it, I, I don't think it matters. And that's because we know about the defense. The defense is elite. We've talked about that for months now, and. Uh, and, and so we know they're going to bring it defensively. Of course, you know, refereeing has a lot to do with it. They call some ticky-tack fouls, and Herb Jones gets in, in foul trouble early, which, you know, he did for a, a short time there during SEC play. You know, that, that could be a big factor, but that's beside the point. The point is, you know, if Alabama can shoot their averages, because they beat Tennessee and LSU, which is a five and an eight seed, and they shot under their averages. Against Tennessee, they shot way under their averages. Now, I think the first two rounds against Iona and then the winner of the Maryland-UConn game, I personally think it'll be UConn uh, with, with Danny Hurley as their, as their head coach. Um, but uh, if, if they shoot under their averages, I think they can escape those teams. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm – not, I'm not I agree with that. Yeah, I think, I think they can escape those first two rounds. Now, once you get into your Sweet 16 matchups and your Elite Eight or whatever – I think if you shoot under 35%, you're toast. And that's because you're going up against teams that are also shooting the ball well, because you don't get to the sweet 16, you know, by playing average. And the reason I say that is because Alabama can make up so much with their defense. They can shut a team down and um, they'll also have spurts. So they just don't turn the ball over. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. If you can just bottle that up and do it for 40 minutes, shoot your averages, Nobody in the country can beat you. Um, with the style they play and the amount of threes that they shoot, nobody can – and the way they spread the ball around, that's huge. You know what I mean? You got your top four scores or scoring in double digits, and it's like 14, 13, 12, 11. You know what I mean? It, they, they don't have a 20-point-a-game guy. They don't have a, a go-to guy to get a bucket. Um, it's everybody can do it. And uh, so I think that's huge for Alabama because um, once you get into that Sweet 16 Elite Eight – you're not going to beat a team by shooting 28% from deep. Uh, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. So they can get by the first two rounds, but uh, you, get, you you got to be able to shoot it in, in order to finish and, and make that deep run into the tournament. Number two, and uh, and this is this is big for me. This is the thing I noticed. Uh, I think it was Tennessee game, I believe. They did this maybe like three out of five possessions, which is frustrating. You cannot turn the ball over on the fast break. You, you, you can't – I understand that you want to play fast, but nobody loves the style of play more than I do. Because, Lester, how many years have we talked about how we want, how we want to see something different on offense? We want to see a change. You know, from the Avery Johnson years, Anthony Grant years, 
how boring was that shit whenever we dribbled the ball around for 35 seconds and threw up some crap at the buzzer? It was it was awful. I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget. We were at a Nick at noon. Uh, it was Anthony Grant had been there for a little while, and you know, just starting to get to him, and not get to him, but you know, a little groundswell of changes need to be made. And the first thing he says when he comes out to speak to people who, you know, maybe. I wasn't a very influential person, but probably some influential people there who would pay that much to go for a dinner to hear somebody talk. The first thing he said, the first comment was about defense. And from that point on, I I looked at you square in the eye and I just heard groans all over the entire conference where we were at. You know, we, we, and I just shook, I shook my head. I'm like, there's no way this guy just talked about defense. You're not exciting people. You're not you're not getting people to invest in your program. We've been talking about this for years. Avery, you know, he brought a little bit of excitement. He did all he could. He couldn't got didn't quite get it done. And man, we're so thankful for Oates here. But dude, I'll I'll never forget that as long as I live. But I'm so glad we have something different. We have something different and it's successful. Yeah, it is successful. We bring in this new guy because of his, you know, whenever whenever you, you Google Nate Oates, you know, the first thing that comes up is transition points, you know, fast break points, three-point shots, three-point, you know, makes, three-point percentage, and that's what you see. Then all of a sudden, we got the best damn defense we've ever had in school history. <laughs> and that's what and that's It's what insane. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, this offense, you're not supposed to play good defense. Whenever you get 90 possessions a game, you're not supposed to play good defense. You're supposed to be gassed. You know, you're not supposed to be able to do that. But because he's, he's added depth that he already had from Avery Johnson's recruits that he had, uh, he was able to bring in some depth. And, and now, you know, these guys are just a machine when they're, they don't get tired. You know, they don't lose focus. But, you know, turning the ball over on the fast break, that was one thing that I saw during the tournament that was really bugging me because – you can't get a turnover or a, a rebound, throw an outlet pass, and then give it right back to them. You know, that's just something that's very frustrating because you can run the break and still be smart with it. Um, you know, Alabama, it seems like four or five times a game, whenever they get a rebound, they throw an outlet, then they, the next pass gets deflected or intercepted or whatever. Um, and, uh, and And so – you know, it seems like they could cut their turnover number down. That's number one, of course. But you just – and to me, it's just it's just having that high basketball IQ like I talked about, you know. Like, I've seen Petty do it probably more than anybody else, and I don't want to pick on JP. But whenever you got a guy breaking down the floor and the only way you can get him the ball is to throw a bounce pass 30 feet down the floor in between two defenders – probably not going to get there you know what i'm saying i mean you're not Johnson. yeah he, he's he's not magic johnson <laughs> you're not magic johnson uh you know you're, you're john petty you don't have any handles he you know it and and so you know herb does it sometimes too quinterly does it usually off the dribble you know he just he gets picked sometimes whenever he's trying to make a play on the fly um but i think that's big for alabama you know you can't have those uh 
those those points all turnovers. I think that's a big stat in order to or it's a big stat to watch in the uh, in the tournament is is you know offensive rebounds and points all turnovers. If Alabama can win those two columns, because you know especially if they do go up against a bigger team, I think that's a very important stat column to watch is offensive rebounds and points all turnovers because. Um, you know, Alabama's probably going to win in bench points. I mean, hell, their best player on the team right now is coming off the bench. And uh, and and so, but, yeah, points off turnovers, you definitely need to win that. You just need to be smarter with the ball. I think if Alabama can can hover around that 14, 15 turnover mark uh, in the tournament, shoot their averages, they got a chance to, to, to win the national championship. I mean, I'll say it. I mean, uh, and I'll, I'll back that. You know, I'll argue, I'll argue anybody against that. If Alabama just plays their averages, they can beat anybody in the country. So scary, bro. So this is, this is year two. Yeah. This I mean, it goes, it goes back to what you were saying. It's just the style of play. I mean, it's like, it's like in football for football fans listening. I mean, you know, it's like watching an Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley or a Steve Sarkeesian in Alabama, and then the defense you have is absolutely top five freakish. Like, it's – like, that's essentially kind of what Alabama has in basketball. When you're getting so many possessions and then you can sit there and play just as good a defense, you're kind of like, well, shit. I mean, what can you not – what can you not do as far as, you know, the offense and defense thing when, when you get the, so many possessions? Because most time when you get so many possessions in a game, you would think your mindset kind of like in football is like, well, you know, who cares what we do on defense? We're just going to score so many on yeah, offense. We're going to outscore yeah, those. Yeah, outscore those team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, I mean, but, you you know, it's it's different. And then when you have our style of play, you know, we run a little five out and whatnot. Not a lot of teams are used to seeing that. So, it's a – we match up well with a lot of teams where we do that. And a lot of teams don't match up well with us. You know, like maybe a, maybe a Texas, you know, if we see them in the Sweet 16, doesn't match up well with Alabama and we end up just running them off the floor. Same with like a Florida State, maybe they just don't match up well with a team like Alabama. Whereas you know someone else like a like a Gonzaga, for example, as good as they are, Gonzaga plays a similar style that like us. I mean, they they're one of the top teams in the country in scoring, just like Alabama. Just like Alabama. I mean, so I mean, it's just a lot of contrasting styles and just how we play is what I really really like, as opposed to like y'all were just talking about Avery Johnson and the defense. Like, you know, everyone talks about they want to play good defense. Like, no shit you want to play good defense in basketball. We know that. But can but can you do it consistently and then have the offense to go along with it? You can't you can't expect to win every basketball game 54 to 50. That's not going to get you home. Yeah, and it's also playing good defense whenever your shots are not falling. We talked about that before. You know, Tennessee game's a good example. Uh, you know, they had – every right to be frustrated uh, with their offensive performance. But about 15 minutes ago in the game, they, were, they weren't playing well. You're down 14, 15 points. Uh, but what do you do? You just absolutely shut them down. You know, you find, a, you find another level on the defensive side of the floor. You turn defense into offense, and then you come back and win the basketball game. And uh, But, yeah, you know, like you were saying, that's why I'm just I'm, – I'm not really worried about teams – with dominant forces like Drew Timmy from Gonzaga or, you know, the big guy from Illinois or big white dude from Michigan, all these big 10 teams have all these big guys in the middle, you know, is, is, uh, is, as much of a, an advantage as they have offensively. I'm not so sure Alabama doesn't have a bigger one um, on their offensive side of the ball, just because of the way they run. And not only that, I mean, if you, 
if you're a coach and you're you're gonna play your a uh, big seven footer, big seven foot, two hundred and eighty pound guy in the middle. If you, if he's gonna try to play thirty three, thirty four minutes against Alabama, good luck. Um, I mean, those guys just aren't built to run that that hard for that long, that much up and down. I mean, unless you're gonna play a style like Virginia, where you're just gonna slow the game way down and shoot every shot under seven seconds in the shot clock. I mean, you know, that's – so I think Alabama has just as much of an offensive advantage as uh, as the teams with the big men in the middle. I got a, I got a little question for you guys. Um, I know we've talked about it um, kind of sort of all season long, but do you think Oates has a little something up his sleeve? Do you think he'll mix it up on the defensive end and go a little bit of his own? No. No, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so either. They, they've made, because, their, they've I mean, made their commitment now. He, he he can't he can't pick his nose without talking about some analytics or some kind of formula that he learned about the way to pick your nose and this way is better. You don't want to pick your nose from the mid range. You know you want to go all in or you just want to kind of clip it on the edge. You know you don't want to go anywhere in the. You know what I'm saying? I mean, such he's such a math. He's such a numbers guy. He's not gonna and and he said that. You know he's he's not gonna he's not gonna change anything up. Now do I wish he would? Sure. I mean if you've got a guy with the dominant big man big man in the middle or, you know, maybe multiple, then sure. I mean, I'd love to see a two, three zone and just pack it in, make them beat you from 22 feet out. I mean, yeah, but uh, I, I just, I don't think it's uh, the only time he ran zone this year was when we started Tyler Barnes's white ass against Vanderbilt on senior night. And we started in a two, three zone for about a minute and a half. And he checked out. We were man to man for the rest of the game. Yeah. I asked that because, you know, it, <sighs> I mean, it was a great performance, but I hated watching Trenton Wofford just bully the dog out of whoever was in front of him. It did not matter who they put on. And I'm surprised they didn't have Herb. I mean, I guess, you know, Herb in other places. But, geez, a little zone on Wofford probably wouldn't have been a bad thing. I'm 100% okay with another team taking three. I am. But, geez, do not punish us in the paint. That – that bothers me so bad, but it's a, it's you know, hey, like like you said, huh? It's a lose lose situation because you know when you're running in there, you, they're going to run Cam Thomas or Javante Smart over to that side, so you can't double him. You, you can't double team him. As soon as you leave, he's just gonna he's just gonna kick out, and you got one of the best three point shooters in the conference, you know, knocking down an open three, and so mm-hmm. and, and that's something that Zone would have really helped out right there. You're right. Well, that's the thing with LSU. You know, I mean, they, uh, that's, that was one of the reasons why I project, projected LSU to make the make the championship in the SEC tournament was because starting five LSU is LSU starting five is one of the most talented in college basketball. But the problem is their bench and everything, yeah. and their de- and their defense is just terrible. I mean, they're 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 like top ten, I think, in offensive efficiency, but then they're like one of the worst teams in defensive efficiency. And their game against Alabama, as good as they played, they still had zero bench points. If they just have two bench points, they win the game. Um, I mean, that's that's what's crazy about it. Landon, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, LSU plays, I think, St. Bonaventure in the first round. It's an 8-9 matchup. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be surprised if St. Bonaventure ends up winning that game. Because Me neither. Ha- was that game on Sunday, was that LSU's absolute best effort? I mean. Yep. Yeah. And, I agree with you. And, and, and I mean, I think that was the that was their national championship. I mean, it was I guess it was their conference championships. But they, the way they played, I haven't seen LSU play like that. Not even when they beat Arkansas. 
and what they right. did in Alabama and the mismatches they exploited. I mean, I guess it helps whenever you play a team three times, but Alabama didn't change anything up, and maybe Will Wade knew that. And uh, and Trenton, you know, he did knock down the shots. Uh, he, he he missed a lot of close ones in Tuscaloosa when they got beat uh, 78 to 60 or something like that. But, yep. um, yeah, I think that was LSU's best effort right there. So I would be – a lot of people are saying that LSU can make a – is a – they have a chance to, to have a little Cinderella story and make a run to the Elite Eight maybe. I, I don't think so. I think what you saw on mm-hmm. Sunday was LSU's absolute max effort. And uh, I, well, I don't think you see the same team in the tournament. It's a game. It's a game, you know, with two contrasting styles. You know, LSU's top ten, top ten offense in basketball. And then St. Bonaventure's a top ten defense in basketball. You know, they're only giving up 60 points a game. And so that the stuff Watford was getting against us, may not be there against the St. Bonaventure. Especially and the thing, own. Yeah. So, the, and the thing is, too, as good as they, they – and they played so between – Javante Smart was shooting threes like he's never shot before. Cam Thomas, like I said, was pulling up from Texas shooting threes. Watford was just getting whatever he wanted. And the chances of them replicating that again – and then, the, you know, they, like I said, they don't have a bench. So, if the guy – if Watford, Smart, and Thomas don't get theirs like they did – against Alabama and plus you know the style we were playing where we weren't we were the game was so fast you know all that was on LSU taking 76 total shots or 74 total shots something like that so that may not that style of play still not may not be there against a St. Bonaventure so emotionally that game took a lot out of LSU I think Mm -hmm. especially how it all happened and I could definitely see St. Bonaventure beating them no question. With that, with that depth conversation, you know, you got to think about foul trouble. You know, you get trending mm-hmm. somebody with, with, you know, two or three in the first half, and they got to sit for a while, and you don't have that offensive production, you know, against a, a really good defensive basketball team. When you don't guard well yourself, you know, you, you, could, you could be in trouble. But uh, talking about the tournament, let's go ahead and get into our final little segment of the night here. Um, I know this is probably going to be our longest podcast of the year, but I warned y'all that. I told y'all, I said, hey, get your naps in because – we got a lot of shit to talk about, and uh, and we're, we're about to finish it up here. But I asked y'all to predict your final four for me, and I wrote down who I had them beating in the Elite Eight. So technically I have my Elite Eight. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. If you don't have it right there in front of you, if you just have your final four, that's fine. Lester, let's start with you. Who are your final four teams that you see in this year's uh, NCAA tournament? Lester, unmute yourself. All right, Landon. Baylor. Baylor, Baylor, Illinois, Alabama, and Ohio State. Oh, you put the tide in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Two one C's and two twos, right? Yes. Wait, how do you have Ohio State in there? Wait, who's in that? Ohio State and Baylor are in the same side. Oh, no, it was Ohio. No, it was Baylor, Illinois. Bama and where's the other bracket at? Darn it! Gonzaga, probably Gonzaga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably Gonzaga. Yeah, probably yeah, Gonzaga. Yeah. <laughs> I have, uh, I have actually Kansas. I, ha- I have been beating Gonzaga, and I think that's might just be from tournament experience. I mean, I trust Bill Self more than Mark Few. Uh, Mark Few, he just and 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 I, I, dude, you watch Gonzaga; they're so freaking good and. Even though I watch them and I see how good they are and how much talent they have with Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy, um, 
it's just there's the schedule that they play is so bad. It is so bad. And then all of a sudden you got to play, like I said, these small schools that are hot, these other schools that play in these power five conferences. I'm not saying men major basketball isn't good because it is, but it seems like every single year Gonzaga is up there as a one or a two seed and they just can't get the job done. Uh, Villanova gets it done, but, uh, and I don't know what the difference is. I don't know what Jay Wright does over there, but it seems like Gonzaga just can't get it done. They're the number one overall seed. I see them making it to the elite eight, but I see Kansas beating them. Um, you know, I, everybody's going to put Alabama in their final four. As much as I'd like to see it happen, I'm going to predict that they get put out in the Elite Eight. I'm going to say Florida State beats them. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't have any analytics. I just I just don't see Alabama being consistent enough to win, what would that be, four in a row? Yeah, four in a row. And uh, two of them against, you know, once you get to the Sweet 16, like I said, those Sweet 16, Sweet, God, Sweet 16 Elite Eight matchups are going to be against some pretty good teams. Um, so I don't see Alabama just being consistent enough offensively uh, to make it to the Final Four. I've got Ohio State over North Carolina. Uh, I think North Carolina is playing really well. And um, I see them getting to the Elite Eight, but Ohio State, um, they could have beaten Illinois in the conference turn or conference championship game. They got down big, didn't play well early, had a terrible start, got down by like 15 points and uh, came back and, and, you know, lost that game at the end. And then the, my last one's Illinois, the team that beat them in the uh, Big Ten championship game. And that's just <clears throat> because of that. I, I value conference tournaments a lot. And uh, if you can win that one, you know how to finish and, you know, you know how to win those close games. So, yeah, I've got a uh, – it's actually one, two, three, four. Okay, Illinois is a one seed, Ohio State's a two, Kansas is a three, and Florida State's a four. That's my final four. Landon, what you got? Uh, well, I'm kind of I'm kind of like y'all in the Gonzaga thing, or, well, like you, Chase, mainly. I mean, my thing with Gonzaga, as I have this conversation earlier with somebody, is, you know, Mark Few has had his success at Gonzaga since 2000. I mean, the dude, the Gonzaga has always been very good in basketball. I don't think anyone can dispute that or anything. But my thing with Gonzaga is I'm waiting on them to win it all. And I'm, I've heard that, like, you know, this year they have a lot of talent. They have Jalen Suggs. I mean, I heard all this jazz when they had Kelly Olenek on the team. I mean, I've heard all this before. And my thing is they just never get it done in the tournament. And it's because – the, the conference they play in and how they can't put together what they do in the regular season week in and week out in the tournament against, you know, possibly in the second in the second round, they got to play a Missouri team with five or six seniors. Then they may have to play a Creighton, you know, in the Sweet 16. Then you may have to go deal with a Luca Garza in Iowa in the Elite Eight. I mean, or a Bill Self with Kansas. I mean, you know, then you're talking about playing maybe a Florida State in the in the final four with some athletic bigs down low or and Alabama, I mean, you know, and my thing with them is until I see them actually do it, I can't pick them, and I'm not going to. And so from that region, I have Iowa. I have Mark Iowa Hugh. coming out of a region. Is a, uh, he, he started coaching in 1999. You're dead on this. This is 22nd year. He's got an 83% career win percentage. That's crazy. He's got one Final Four. One. So that just proves everything you were saying. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my my the region with Alabama in the East region, I 
like you said, you know, a lot of people are going to have Alabama in their final four, and it's I would love to see it. I really would. Um, but I think we do get put out in the Elite Eight, and I do have Florida State putting us out in the Elite Eight. Um, I just I, – I don't – I don't – there's too many factors with Alabama where we come out and we don't have that game. You know, we don't hit 80 points necessarily or something like that, and we end up losing. And – I, you know, I just, I, as much as I would love to see it, I'm going to have to say Florida State. Um, then the, uh, what region is this? The South region, I'm going to go with Baylor. Uh, I just keep, I keep watching Baylor this year and I have, and up to, up into the COVID pause they had. I just, I really like Baylor's play. Um, I love uh, my former uh, Alabama guy, uh, Jared Butler. Uh, we wish you were in Crimson, buddy, but your heart condition. Uh, sorry, I'm still salty about that. Um, we all, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, I got Baylor in that region. Then the other region, uh, Midwest, I'm going to have Illinois. Uh, Co- Kofi Cockburn, I mean, just freak freak center. Um, point guard playing with a mask. I don't mind going to try to pronounce his name. Phenomenal player to watch. Uh, but, yeah, I got uh, Baylor, Illinois, Iowa, and Florida State. So tell me, explain to me a little bit more about Baylor because Baylor for me, I think it's another team that could flame out. And I think they have really good senior leadership. They have a lot of experience on the team. I think they start like four seniors or something crazy like that. It's, you know, on, on paper, their roster, they look like a national championship team because, you know, you, the usually the national champion, the last, you know, I guess the last decade, you know, you don't, you don't see a lot of one and done national champions, you know, 2012 Kentucky was, uh, was about the only one, you know, even Duke and North Carolina, they had these good freshmen, but you also have that, that senior in the big, whether it's a Luke May or, you know, Marcus Page or mm-hmm. whoever, <clears throat> Quentin Cook for Duke was big, Tyus Jones, uh, or I'm sorry, Trey Jones, uh, his, his older brother, but um, anyway, you know, Baylor seemed to be built for, a national championship run, but, you know, since that COVID thing, they're four and two, you know, they beat, they beat, uh, they beat Texas tech. Um, they beat Oklahoma state and then lost to Oklahoma state in the tournament. You know, they beat West Virginia. So it's, it's, I haven't seen enough dominance recently from Baylor to put them in. Tell me what, tell me what, why you're thinking, why you're, why you're picking Baylor going a little bit more depth about that. So when you watch Baylor play, I mean, Baylor is one of the top scoring offenses in the country, the third, third, third in scoring offense in the country, you know, right behind Gonzaga and actually Colgate. Y'all watch out for uh, Colgate, Arkansas, by the way. Um, yeah. Tooth, toothpaste versus Arkansas. How are they, like, ironic are they like is that? 22 and one or something? Yeah. Like stupid record and can bomb away from three, like very good three point shooting team. Uh, but, you know, watching Baylor play, I mean, they just play like team basketball. They, you know, kind of like we we're talking about Alabama earlier. How you know there's a 15 from Herb, a 13 from Petty, a 12 from Shaq, a, a le- 11 from like a Primo, you know, or something like that. And that's the that's when I watched Baylor. That's what I saw. Obviously, until the COVID issue, you know, like you said, until the to the COVID issue, they took their first loss to Kansas. They had a a barely beat an Iowa State team that is just horrible. Uh, then they barely beat a Kansas State team that's also hor- horrible, and they they do a lot they do they do a lot of everything like well I guess is what I'm basically trying to say, and you know they got Davion Mitchell from Auburn, 
still there. Massey OT, uh, Jared Butler, all those guys that they can all they all shoot the three. And they honestly, when I watch Baylor play, it reminds me in a way of when I watch Alabama. They play fast, and that you know they don't have that one guy that you just turn the turn the ball to like an emo, like a Moses Moody or a Jalen Suggs and say, "Hey man, go get me a bucket." They got three or four of them that can all do it, and that and I'm big on team basketball when it comes to the tournament and especially senior leadership. And that's what I really like when I watch Baylor. Yeah. It seems like senior leadership and guard play are what you really have to rely on in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Lester, do you have any uh, 13, 14, 15 or 16 seeds that, uh, that you think have a pretty good shot at upsetting their opponents? Negative. None at all. You going, you going None at all. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'll, Landon, I think Lester cut out, buddy. I think it's just me and you. All right. You're I don't know good, what man. happened. Uh, he just disappeared, but uh, we'll try to get him back in here. But, um, you know, do, do you have any upsets that, that you think? Uh, well, there's one game that's actually very intriguing to me. A lot, a lot of people are talking about, and it's Utah State over Texas Tech. Um, if you look at the Vegas line on this game, this is an 11, a 6 versus 11. Uh, it's on Texas Tech's only favored by four points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah State comes in with four seniors on the team, uh, and then a starting guard that's a, a starting point guard that's a freshman. Uh, the they they run a they run a center that's a seven footer, averaging a double double on the year. They play very good defense, just like Texas Tech, only giving up like six, 62 points a game, right at the same as Texas Tech. Uh. That's one game that intrigues me is Utah State. And uh, the other one I like, I like Oregon State and Tennessee. I really like that because um, Tennessee's, Tennessee's offensive velocity with Rick Barnes, I'm not really a fan of in how they play because it's so inconsistent. It's just – and it's like it's their game without – You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of yeah. one-on-ones it's like, and a lot of screen and rolls. There's not a lot of, a lot mm-hmm. of motion. You know, it's a, it's a lot of dribble handoff. But yep. uh, that's about it. They just try to create off of that dribble handoff. Yeah, and that's what they were doing, you know, first half because Alabama seemed like everything at the you know, the free throw line right there, they were taking these little fadeaway, shot-creating, mid-range jumpers, and everything was falling. And then all of a sudden, second half, it just doesn't fall for them. And that's why they just have so much inconsistency on the year and why they took so many losses. And I could see a team like Oregon State coming in and, and really, really giving them trouble, especially, you know, I don't even know if Fulkerson's going to play for them against – Morgan State. I'm not sure the status on him, but that's one. That's another game I'm really looking looking out for. I, uh, I you know, Lester. We we did get Lester back, by the way. He's back. Lester, you still going chalk? Did you have time to to look up a a bracket real quick, real quick, and see if you uh, see if you picked any any upsets? I'm um, not. Um, I don't particularly have any upsets. Um, I'm not really a big fill out the bracket kind of dude, but. When you have a guy on your team like Cade Cunningham, um, your team can do some pretty special things. So, um, I, as far as the NCAA tournament goes, I like watching interesting players like uh, Luca Garza and Cade Cunningham. So, I'm looking for Oklahoma State to make some noise in the tournament. He's fun to watch, man. I didn't, I didn't really. So understand. he's going to be the number one pick. Number man, one. I didn't, I didn't watch Oklahoma State until uh, the Big Twelve tournament, and uh, man, he was fun to watch. Actually. 
you know what? I watched them against Oklahoma. They played them on a Saturday, then played them again on like a Tuesday or something. And uh, I watched both of those Bedlam games. And uh, yeah, he, he was he was really fun. I think Oklahoma State beat them twice, and uh, which just killed Oklahoma's seeding. You just hate to see that because I think you know Oklahoma plays Missouri, and uh, I think Missouri might lose that game by 10, 15 points. I think you know Oklahoma got an eight seed just because the Big Twelve was so stacked. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, I think there's a lot of difference in between Oklahoma's an eight seed and LSU. You know, LSU. SEC was okay. I, I don't. I don't think they had the elite teams that they usually do. You know, Auburn's on probation. Kentucky sucked for some reason. Uh, Tennessee was supposed to be like top ten or top five preseason, and um, they just flamed out. And um, Alabama kind of came out of nowhere to a lot of the national media. But um, you know, the SEC wasn't near as dominant up top in the top probably three or four teams as, like, as it usually is. So. I love for Oklahoma to, to demolish Missouri. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like it, man. I like the, uh, I like, I like the Colgate matchup with Arkansas just because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of pasty dudes that can make everything they throw in. I mean, everybody Do they bring their lunch pail? I mean, yeah. how much is it? Blue collar. Bring that lunch pail. Blue that collar. Away from half court and hits nothing but nylon. That's, that that kind of lunch pail and uh yeah it's always then, interesting to see who's going to be the hot team the fgcu or the the george mason so as long as that if it, as long as that team's not in bama side of the bracket we're good i like um i like i like winthrop over villanova yeah yeah that that line right there has jumped and fluctuated a lot man i mean i'm telling you for a 5 12 game that's a mm-hmm. that's a five and a half six point favorite for villanova and that's relatively kind of low for that and like i i like winthrop too especially with villanova losing gillespie for the season and they've they've looked like a different team since they lost him i mean he would he was a freaking key piece for them <laughs> you look at uh you look at winthrop's tournament run and i granted it is the big south tournament you know don't don't get me wrong but you're looking at 83 to 54 82 to 61 and 80 to 53 i mean they're whooping some ass down there and they are white they're white hot rolling into the tournament three straight games of 80 points or higher so that's something that 13-4 matchup i definitely watch out for i think i'm actually going to pick that one um i think yeah they have a six seven point guard too a little unorthodox type thing man i mean that dude's that dude's freaking uh good uh what's chandler vardron i think's his name uh but yeah he six seven point guard that's a that's a mismatch right there you know landon are you a are you a, a tournament buff like whenever all the all 68 teams get selected do you like kind of uh look for tidbits off of each team or did you know all this shit like before <laughs> before the selection show do you well, just watch that much basketball because i mean i just i watch a lot of basketball maybe. yeah I, I mean i know the big players you know uh from <clears throat> the bigger teams but i mean you're talking about winthrop having a six seven point guard i haven't really watched too many winthrop basketball games this year yeah no no winthrop i'm like you know, like, you know, after the SEC doesn't play on, like, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays, or I say Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you know, or, and then Saturdays, you know, I'm always trying to watch college basketball during this time of year, especially with, you know, how COVID took away our sports at that time. I always appreciate it. And, like, like I've watched the kid from Winthrop's good, and another kid that's good, man, is this 
this kid named Jason Preston for Ohio, and you'll see them play Virginia in the first round. You know, Virginia's dealing with some COVID issues right now. That's a, and Jason, that's a 13-4 also, is that right? Yeah, that's 13-4 also. Dude, Jason Preston, he's averaging on the year 16-7-7. and I mean, and he's going to be – he's going to be an NBA NBA draft pick, you know, top, top 20, top 25 pick in my opinion. I mean, really, really good point guard that could give Virginia a lot of problems because, you know, like you said, we were talking about earlier how Virginia likes to slow down the game. They like to, you know, play defense and all that. And, like, with the COVID issues, I don't know how many players have available necessarily. So, a team like Ohio, you know, not distract or something like that could give them a lot of issues as well. Have you, uh, have, have you heard anything about what they're going to do if a team has COVID issues, are they going to postpone anything? Or is it kind of like do, like, you know, kind of kind of a tough shit kind of scenario, you know, play with what you got? So I want to say there's a, there's a certain couple of teams that are actually like on the waiting list, so to speak, if I'm making yeah, sense. Yeah, Louisville's I, one of them, right? Yeah, Louisville. Louisville's one of them. I, I don't know why I want to say Seton Hall maybe another Ole one. one? Did, did, did Ole Miss have a shot at sneaking in there? You know, I don't know. I can't remember the whole – I can't remember the whole list. I know Louisville is 100% one. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, you no, know Winthrop has a 6-7 point guard. Yeah, I know, right? Here coming in, coming in the wild facts of the day. <laughs> oh, Lord. <clears throat> Lester, oh, what are you going to do if Alabama wins the natty? Why Landon's looking that up? What, what, what if I told you Alabama wins the national championship? I mean – What's what's the next move? Um, I don't even know how to react, dude. I, I don't even know me, what I do. Well, I'll tell you this: uh, when Bama won Sunday, I turned and looked at J Law. I don't know if I picked him up. I don't know if he picked me up. But at some point, my feet left I'm that concrete guess, floor. I'm gonna guess you picked him up. I'm Maybe just gonna go out I, on a limb. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that 120 pound J Law. I mean, unless he got that kind of adrenaline, like where people lift cars to save their babies or, or something. No, we were hyped. And 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 if Bama wins a natty, I'm going to say that the same thing's going to happen again with whoever I'm with because <laughs> um, I will, I, I'd love to go to that game. I, I'd pay any dollar amount uh, to a degree, but that I, 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 we don't know when that's going to happen again. That's something that you've got to go to. Well, well, buddy, we're carpooling if we're going to the natty. I'm flying. Screw that. Oh, yeah, we'll take it up. We'll take it up. We're, we're, we're doing something. Uh, we're all Indy. going. Gump, gump runners yeah. are flying yeah. to the natty. Making sure <laughs> you. Uh, yeah. All right, I found the teams. We got Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss. Ole Miss, okay. Two SEC teams. No, I'm sorry, one SEC team, yeah. Okay. St. Louis, you said they usually run a 13 seed, aren't they? Yeah, St. Louis, and then this uh, Louisville, Colorado State, Ole Miss. Okay. Yeah, that would really suck if you uh, you had a couple of walk-ons get COVID, maybe an assistant coach or an analyst or something, and uh, your team had to drop out. And and when's the when's the cutoff? I mean, the games are what in two days. Yeah. And so when is the uh, when's the cutoff? I mean, I'm sure that's already happened, right? We would already know something by now. Yeah, because I mean they're penciled in now for the NIT and everything like that. You know, they said the deadline was Tuesday, like today it's uh, six p.m. And they are bubbled, right? Like everybody's bubbled up there. You're not leaving. It's kind of like the NBA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like I, all in there. I agree with that. I mean, you know, I know 
some people might see that as inhumane or whatever. You know, these are college kids, blah, blah. I mean, just get through the tournament. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar event. I mean, yeah, just get through it. The kids want to, they, you know, they want to be there. Like, you know, you right. get a shot to play in March Madness. You don't mind not having to leave the hotel room. You I mean, you should be focused on the game anyway. Well, one of the interesting things about the tournament that they're doing, and I didn't think they would do this with COVID, but they actually are, is, you know, Alabama, when we play Iona, we're playing, uh, what's the gym? I don't know the gym exact. Hickle, Hick, Hickey. Uh, gosh, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of the gym. But anyway. Fieldhouse is where Hoosiers yeah. was, uh, was filmed. Right. Okay, so we're playing there against Iona. Well, the next game when we play the winner of UConn-Maryland, which I'm assuming is going to be UConn, but we'll see that's not going to be played in the same gym. It's going to, we're going to have to play in a different gym, which is something that I found really interesting, really, really interesting. So like you can't really get used to the same gym. Like, you know, if Alabama goes out against Iona and hits a, you know, LSU three point barrage, you know, we're not going to be in that same gym again against uh, UConn, the winner of UConn, Maryland. Yeah. You got to get to, I guess once the sweet 16 starts, all the games would be in the same gym and that what they usually do anyway. I would assume. I would assume. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, um, by the way, speaking about Hoosiers, Landon, have you seen Hoosiers? I don't think I have, actually. You don't think? Okay. Yeah. So this is, I mean, they, they were talking about it, it was, it was, it was set there. It's a small team in, uh, in Indiana and, um, and they're, you know, Podon, it's, it's, it's their, their school name is called Hickory and there is a, it's a high, it's high school based and, it's just a bunch of white guys and, and they get the Gene Hatman's the coach. And, um, mm-hmm. and he, <clears throat> he's got temper, temp, those temper tantrums gets kicked out of games all the time. And there's some backstories and all that stuff. And uh, they get this really good player named Jimmy to, um, to come out and play for him and, you know, whatever they get to this state championship and they're playing this big gym. This is Hinklefield. It's Hinklefield house. And, uh, and, they they play these guys and end up winning all this shit. You know, it's all the all the drama involved in a sports movie that you can imagine. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Oates is talking about they were asking him about the the field house and <clears throat> he was like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure half the kids have never seen the movie Hoosiers. We might need to watch it with them or whatever. And I was texting mm-hmm. Lester last night and I was like, that movie has a bunch of white kids beating a team full of black guys like on a last second buzzer beater. I was like, that's the last thing you want to show them unless you're playing like Colgate. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Lester's like, Lester's like, I ain't never heard of that movie. And I was like, I, I didn't figure, I wouldn't think you would. Because, I mean. Oh, I, I've, I've heard of it. I, I've, yeah. I know of all the sports movies. I've never seen it. I've never. Uh, I'll watch it one day. But it, I mean, I'm yeah. right. And I'd rather watch Coach Carter. You know what I mean? It's a good it's Yeah, our glory road. Yeah, it's for the older, uh, the older. Yeah, it's like the opposite of glory road, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I was like, yeah. I yeah, I was say that. Glory Road, literally, yeah, it sounds like the exact opposite of what you're saying. It literally the exact I opposite. I on Glory Road. But uh, anyway, yeah, so uh, my thoughts on that. Lester, do you, do you have anything you want to you wanna say before we start this, uh, this NCAA tournament? Negative. That's about it, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Now, I guess you've got what? When is this round of 32? Uh, round of 32 is it Sunday and Monday? Yeah, so when we record next week, hopefully, we won't be discussing a, a tough loss that we had. Um, we'll be, um, we'll be discussing the, the Sweet 16 matchup. 
what are what are y'all's like hope like what are y'all's i guess satisfactions shall i say like if alabama makes a sweet 16 and we lose are you satisfied you know like a Lester, you go first i'm gonna let you take that one first i i can handle losing if i know they played their best game i don't want to be left with a what if or a or if such and such would have done this or you know pray to God for a healthy tournament if such and such hadn't got hurt. I can accept it if I know that they played their best game. But I'm expecting this team to go to at least the Elite Eight. At least the Elite Eight. Um but that's about it. Just I don't I don't want to go and they're shot twenty percent from three or some outrageous outlandish crap like that. If they're gonna go out, go out balls to the wall. And I'll I'll leave it at that. I uh I mean, I, I was on such a high after the game on Sunday that I was like, I was texting Lester. I said, dude, you know, we could get put out in the first round, and I would still call this a very successful season. I mean, now, if this was Nate Oates' seventh year, like Auburn is a Bruce Pearl, <laughs> I mean, could you imagine, like, <laughs> Nate Oates nice. cheating to get guys in, self-imposing a bowl ban or a, a postseason ban, and then going under 500, like – I don't think people realize how how bad that is for Auburn. I mean, I, I don't give a damn if you've got if you couldn't get Sharif Cooper eligible if you lost Justin Powell. The fact that you haven't recruited any depth and this is year seven for you and you can't even go five hundred in an average SEC league. I mean, all they want to talk about is, is bitch and moan about how well Alabama won with Kentucky wasn't good. What I mean, you're you're supposed to be good too. I mean, you've got you know, a coach that's, that's cheated his way through his career and uh, and it's in his, his seventh year at Auburn and he's going under 500. That's trash. Um, but anyway, you know, this is this is year two for Nate Oates. I mean, and I don't, I don't think people realize the significance of that is that these – I think Lester says this all the time. These still aren't his dudes. Like, the dudes are good. Don't get me wrong. Herb, he was a defensive player of the year and SEC player of the year for a reason. His versatility, unmatched throughout the country there's nobody in the country that can do what he does like you you can't there's nobody else in the country that can run the point guard and then guard the power forward on defense and and not only guard him shut him down um there's nobody else in the country that that is versatile as he is so yes he, he was an Avery Johnson guy Alex Reese John Petty Avery Johnson guys but Oates came in, he, he got Quinterly, you know, he kept Shaq, uh, he, he got Primo, he got Keon Ellis, Darius Miles, you know, Joan Gary was already committed, he held on to him. And, and so you're seeing a good blend because Avery did bring in some talent, but now Oates is, he's landing J.D. Davidson, who's, he's, who's the best point guard in the country coming out of high school. Alabama yeah. doesn't get those guys. Those guys go to Kentucky. Those guys go to Duke, North Carolina, Kansas. Those guys don't go to Alabama. Yeah, he's from the state. DeMarcus, I mean, the best, the best two players ever to come through the state of Alabama, DeMarcus Cousins and Eric Bledsoe, went to Kentucky. Uh, and, and so it doesn't matter where you're from. You go to a blue blood in basketball. That's the way it's always been. Nate Oates is, you know, saying, hey, you can come here. And then he's getting – he's also getting role players. He's not going out and getting four one-and-done guys. He's getting his one-and-done, which is J.D. Davidson, I believe. And then he's getting a guy like, you know, I, I don't think Alex Chiku goes pro after next year. Or even if Bediaco comes, I, I don't I don't think he's a one-and-done guy. 
You know, Deshaun mm-hmm. Holt, the guy from Georgia who's a shooting guard, he's not a one and done dude. He's might he's probably a three or four year player because I think mm-hmm. that's so important to get guys that are one and done players and mix them with a lot of experience and a lot of depth that are older. You know, if you get three or four seniors, even you know, even you know, two or three seniors starting, that one junior, then that one stud freshman, that's the kind of teams that make that make runs and get to final fours. Um, and so for NATO to do this in year two is extraordinary. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm going to be pissed if we lose to Iona. Don't, don't get me wrong. Even if we lose to, I mean, and no, and no matter when we lose, I'm going to be pissed. It's because I want my team to win and, uh, and I expect them to win. But once I calm down, man, it, this, this season has been so fun so far. And, you know, it's going to be, it is what it is. I'm going to be pissed for a day or two. I'll go off on them on the podcast, but then I'll be like, man, this was so much fun. And, uh, and you know, now the expectations are going to be raised. Don't get me wrong. Now I'm not expecting to win the SEC every single season because I understand college basketball and I understand how hard it is to do that on a consistent basis. Um, But, you know, I mean, sure, I'd love to get the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, but honestly, man, I'm going to be happy with anything because the season's been, you know, such a, such a surprise. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to make it a sweet 16. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I want. I've tempered my expectations to, I want Alabama to make it a sweet 16. Cause I mean, you know, like you said, I understand what we got, you know, people talk about the senior leadership, obviously with Herb, Petty and Reese and like, and then, you know, I've heard people say, well, that's the only reason Alabama's good this year is because they have the senior leadership. And I'm like, you could not be more farther from the truth at all. Like, do you know, like, like, do people not understand, like, watching John Petty and Herb Jones and Alex Reese under Avery Johnson, just how bad they truly look? Herb Jones, Herb Jones, I was, I can remember me being uh, still in college. Herb Jones being a freshman was and was watching him play and was like, well, when's this kid going in the transfer portal? Dude, because he had no, yeah, he had no offensive game at all. Hmm. He had none. And That's it's because less, Avery Johnson didn't teach him. I cannot stand Herb Jones. Like, when, when Oates was, running guys off last year. Lester, do you mean what I told you? I was like, is Herb going to be next? Because he better not take shots away from Petty and Shaq and Quinterly and Primo. Remember, I was like, we've got so many dudes that yep. can play ball. Yep. Herb does not need to be taking shots away from those guys. Now, whenever there's 10, 10 seconds left on the shot clock, we need a bucket, I'm like, get the ball to Herb. I mean, it's crazy how much that's changed just in one year under NATO's. Because, I mean, yeah. last year, you had the broken wrist. It doesn't even count. Yeah, I mean, this guy has turned into a pure lockdown defender into a point forward. Like, if you'd have told me that when he was a freshman, I'd have laughed in your face. So, I mean, when people when people say, "Oh, he's just doing this," Avery Johnson recruits like you don't understand how much this guy has enhanced Avery Johnson recruits to what they he are now. I mean, you know, we look at a guy like, for example, like a Jawan Gary right now. It's a you know freshman or redshirt freshman, you know, coming in here and he doesn't have a jump shot right now. I'm not even concerned with that. Herb Jones' jump shot looked looked worse than anyone on the team when he was a freshman and a sophomore. It looked horrible. And even last year when he was dealing with his wrist injury. Now this year, this guy can actually hit free throws and make a three-pointer here and there. I mean, and it's, and it's coaching. It, it's just development and it's coaching that this guy, Nate Oates, has done and just how our team – and you, you keep up recruiting now. I mean, we got guys interested in us because of our style of play. I mean, everything is going to continue on if Alabama just keeps continuing this and we hold on to Nate Oates for as long as we can. Yeah. Hey, check, check this out. Yeah, go ahead. 
All American Herb Jones. I don't know if you saw that today, but he's a third team All American for the rest of his life. You know, I had somebody, one of my dad's friends, All American, third All American. They said, "How how crazy is it? How how stacked are these other conferences when the SEC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year never been done outside the school of Kentucky in the SEC? He's third team All American. It's insane. Kudos to that guy, man." Yeah, it just, well, it just shows you how many studs there are. You know, these young freshman studs, they can just fill it up. And uh, the tournament's where you get to see all of them at once. So it's definitely going to be a blast. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and get out of here, guys. I, I know it was only – if you're still listening, there's probably like three of y'all out there. But uh, we appreciate you hanging around, sticking with us. We hope we gave you all some, some information that, that can help you Fill out your uh, your bra- your bracket and uh, win that win that money league or that money pot, whatever you're you know bragging rights around the office, whatever it is. Um, we hope we hope that we gave you some valuable information to help y'all predict some of those first round upsets and and you know and help you predict your final four teams. But um, yeah, episode twenty eight, Dump Earners Podcast, Landon. We appreciate you coming on again, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell. We'll talk to y'all next week. <laughs>